0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time.
1: Now, today, we're going to be looking at leadership changes in three important economies. We're talking about the UK, China and the US with their upcoming midterm elections on November the 8th. Joining us on the line to talk about this, Pushan Dutt. He is Professor of Economics and Political Sciences at INSEAD. Hi, Pushan. Thanks for joining us again.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: All right. Let's start with the US midterm elections. How do you think these will shape Biden's 2024 plans?
0: I think it's going to be very hard for Biden going forward because the Democrats are likely to lose control of either the House or the Senate or most likely both. Now, what does that mean? If Biden no longer has a democratically controlled Congress, basically all government policy will come to a halt. So there will be very little legislation which is going to happen. In fact, if we look at the policy proposals that the Republicans have, they are actually not very well detailed. They also seem deeply unserious. So for instance on inflation, they want to do even more tax cuts. Now best of luck with that. We saw how markets reacted in the UK when Liz Truss tried it. There's a big difference though. In the parliamentary system of the UK, Liz Truss was gone very quickly. But in the US, the politicians actually, they don't resign, they don't change their minds, even if the markets have a bad reaction. Mm. So the Republicans will basically block Biden on everything, launch investigations against him, his son, his cabinet. So expect lots of investigations and almost zero legislative achievements uh, all the way till 2024.
1: What would you say is fueling all of this? I mean, if we were to talk about voters and the issues that they hold dear, what about that dynamic has created this situation that you're describing?
0: This situation that, you know, all legislation uh, grinds to a halt happens under every president. So, you know, this happened under Obama, this happened under Trump, and this is going to happen under Biden. As soon as the opposing party takes power, the only thing the president can do is have some executive orders which get uh, reversed very quickly or get blocked in the courts. Now, what are the big issues for the voters? Why is it that Democrats are likely to lose? The top issues for the voters are inflation and the state of the economy. Now the state of the economy seems fairly strong because unemployment is at about 3.5%, very low. The latest GDP growth number was 2.6%. But voters don't look at these top line numbers. there's an immutable law of politics in the u.s where if gas prices actually exceed two dollars a gallon they will punish the party in the white house Mm -hmm. so gas prices remain high biden's approval rating has created every day the stock market is getting pummeled inflation is becoming broad-based and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty which means that it's likely to be a good year for the republicans and a bad one for the democrats
1: how do you see this unfolding further down the road, though? I mean, surely there will be some equilibrium at some point.
0: If the U.S. voter you know, continually switches party, the voting population, they're actually moderate. They're neither very left-wing nor they're very right wing so whenever uh, one of the parties controls, you know, the presidency, the Senate and, and the House, they do some policies which the broad middle does not like, and then they have an adverse reaction, and then they, and either the House switches or the or the Senate switches. Now, this freezes a lot of legislation, okay, so everything becomes very, very slow, but this is not what I'm really concerned about. What I'm really concerned about is the fact that many in the Republican Party mm-hmm. are actually uh, saying that the elections sem- then. Themselves will be illegitimate until unless they win, and that is that can be very very dangerous going forward. So they're basically casting a lot of doubt and aspersion on votes, on election denialism, and they're trying to put people in power who have the power to actually reverse or at least halt the certification of results in future elections. Mm. If that happens, then democracy breaks in the U.S., and that's going to be a really, really big impact.
1: It does sound reminiscent of what happened a few years ago in regard to Trump and how he handled the situation by mobilizing a lot of people on the ground in that regard. Do you expect things to get that chaotic again?
0: Not in this election. Like, I I don't expect things to get really chaotic. But what might happen in this election is that these people who are called the secretary of state, who at the state level are responsible for certifying vote counts and the winner. These elections were usually nobody paid much attention to it. But now Trump has started running his people in there. And it is full of people who deny the legitimacy of elections until unless the result is sort of favourable. To them now there are certain legal cases building up against trump and trump is likely to exploit that as well in order to sort of charge supercharges base so it's the 2024 elections which can be quite cataclysmic if you know saner heads do not prevail
1: let's talk about biden's wishes or chance to seek a second term as president because that's also being widely discussed what are your views on that
0: So, Biden is going to be very old when he runs for his second term, and he will be, I think, the oldest president when he does so. If you look at the polls, the entire electorate, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, are very, very concerned about this issue, his age, basically. The problem is that uh, that if Trump runs again, which he's very likely to do, the Democrats do not have a very viable candidate this is This is not good for on the Democrats because you know since two thousand and sixteen they've had they've had a bit of time to find an alternate candidate but Biden is sort of unique in the sense that he appeals not just to the broad democratic base but he also appeals to the independents and also to the Republicans who may like the Republican policies, but they really dislike the kind of drama that comes with Trump. These are the voters who actually switched in a bunch of states in the last election, such as, you know, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, etc. And by the way, these are the states that that I'm watching very, very closely to sort of get guidance about what might happen in 2024.
1: And I'm sure that a lot of analysts will continue watching that as well. Let's move to the UK because we did promise our listeners we would discuss the implications of leadership change there as well. So a lot of political turmoil, economic turmoil that had ripple effects across the world. And now we have Rishi Sunak in power. What are your views on how he might handle things moving forward?
0: Let's just step back and think about this endless psychodrama, which has been playing mm. out, playing out in UK politics. It started with Brexit, went through Boris Johnson during the pandemic. There was Parkygate, there was mini budgets, the pound crashing, interventions by the Bank of England, and the shortest prime minister tenure in history. So keep in mind that Liz Truss' work well, was the shortest. Prime Minister, her tenure was the shortest in history, and the record that she broke was of a person who died, uh, you know, four months into office while mm. being in office. Now, from the Tory MPs' perspective, I think what is, what is really critical is that they do not have general elections because the Labour Party has a thirty point lead, so they will be wiped out in a general election. So nothing focuses the mind of politicians as much as the threat of losing elections. So that is why they are sort of unified very quickly behind Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak is quite. Competent. He is not as chaotic as Boris Johnson. He's not such a strong ideologue as Liz Truss. He is, he is seen as a pair of hands, as a safe pair of hands who can who can uh, navigate this turmoil. But at the same time, he has actually picked, he has been forced to pick a cabinet from the various factions of the Tory party, which is fighting with each other. So, I mean, from his perspective, I he, you know, if this infighting stops, even if it is temporary, then he should manage to, you know, get... Started with, with work.
1: The thing is, some analysts are saying that the problems are systemic, it's going to be very difficult to turn things around. So can they really be turned around, even with a leader like Rishi Sunak in place and his various policies?
0: things are very unstable right now and this is Mm. this is not just for the uk but there for many other countries and this will be especially challenging for rishi sunak because it was under boris johnson that the tory party got a huge majority right so there is really no magic wand that he can wave and and get around this this perfect economic storm that the uk and many other countries are so inflationary expectations are out of control people are talking about stagflation there's a war in europe food prices fuel prices are spiking. There might be strikes in the, in, in the UK, especially in the health sector amongst railway workers. There's a semiconductor war going on by the Biden administration. And you know different countries have to line up in this US-China geopolitical conflict. So things are going to be rapidly very, very hairy. One of the scenarios that I foresee is all central banks, including the Bank of England, will start raising interest rates very quickly to get inflation under control. The problem is when you do that uh, scenario where everyone is raising interest rates simultaneously, there are some new hidden risks in the financial system which are not visible to us now. They suddenly manifest uh, Mm. themselves, like we saw in the derivatives market in the UK that led the Bank of England to intervene sharply. So, so the best that the governments can and central banks can hope to do is get inflation under control, provide temporary support to the poor and needy households who have to pay their gas bills and electricity bills, and then sort of think about taxing the rich because now with interest rates high, debt might be on an unsustainable trajectory.
1: Let's talk about China. You know, China, of course, making the news how Hu Jintao was treated, Xi Jinping cementing his power with a third term as president, whether political stability will be a cornerstone still of the country, and, of course, their COVID zero policies. Talk to us about the global implications of Xi's third term as you see them.
0: It is true that President Xi has cemented his hold in power and that might at first glance seem to be providing political stability unlike let's say the UK which is, you know, periodically changing prime ministers. But I actually think paradoxically he has made the system more fragile. You know, China since Deng Xiaoping has had a system of checks and balances in place. They've had a meritocratic system through which the leaders rose up the ranks. There were term limits for leadership. Almost all of this is gone, and uh, you know she has actually has, has actually unified control around himself. The problem is that countries which are organized around a single person, it's true they can make decisions very quickly, but their critical weakness is that the leaders do not receive independent feedback, which makes course correction impossible. You mentioned China's zero-COVID policy. Mm. That's a classic example of that. That that was a policy which made a whole lot of sense in 2020, but as time goes by, it becomes much more and more expensive. So we're going to see China turning inwards, which will obviously have global implications because China sort of sits at the heart of the international trade system. It's sort of Like the factory of the world. So, this is going to have ramifications globally.
1: So, what exactly can we in this part of the world specifically expect?
0: So the immediate thing that we actually saw was when Xi Jinping took power, you know, the stock market in China, or or at least of the tech stocks which are listed on the Nasdaq and New York Stock Exchange, they took a big beating. Now, you know, your and my pension probably is in, invested in some of these stocks, so so we immediately see see uh, see an impact there. In the in the medium to long term, what is going to happen is that China is going to start turning away from the global trading system, even though it has been a massive beneficiary of the global trading system. The semiconductor war, which has been launched by the Biden administration, is going to lead China to to run towards self-sufficiency. And it's also going to lead to tit-for-tat retaliation, which means that suddenly the global trading order, the rules-based trading order, which Asia benefits from massively, becomes under threat. The other thing is that, you know, it, it will no longer be about trade and Trade arrangements. It'll actually be about security and geopolitics, and you know different alliances. So countries in this region will eventually be forced to choose between the U.S. and China, to the exclusion of the of, of the other of the other. In, in in today's status quo, they can actually trade with both of these countries. They can benefit from both of these countries. In one case, uh, you know the cheap provider of manufacturing goods, In the other case provider of services. So all of these things are going to change, and I think we're going to be in a very different world very soon.
1: Mm, How do you expect Singapore to choose?
0: For Singapore, the choice is going to be very stark. I think Singapore will try to play its balancing role as long as it is possible. Uh, I was looking at I was looking at the Gallup poll survey, and Singapore, and within Singapore, there is actually a, a very high level of trust in China. But uh, but this is not this is not the same in other Asian countries. So Singapore is one of the few Asian countries which still has a very positive affinity for China if i look at it historically the security ties between singapore and the us are far stronger so i think if nations are being asked to choose the choice of singapore is going to be one of the most difficult ones
1: thanks very much for your analysis pushan pushan dat professor of economics and political sciences at INSEAD. thanks for joining us on primetime to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg